We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? And God bless our understanding of his holy word. Let's be in the spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. Creator God, enter into this space, enter into our worship, enter into our thinking, our thoughts, enter in and open us up, breathe into us that as we hear ancient words, they might be made new, that we in this generation, in our time, might be reformers and might reform ourselves and this world in your service and in the vision that you have for our lives and for the life of all creation. Amen. From that text, and Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth, it will set you free. Truth. Truth, and all from books. From a book. My first great piece of literature, the first book I remember ever owning for myself, reading for myself, or at least looking at the pictures, knowing for myself in the deepest sense was a great masterpiece of Western thought. Curious George goes to the hospital. Do you know it? When I was five or six years old, anxious about an overnight stay at Children's Hospital in Boston for a tonsillectomy, The tradition of that hospital then was to send its youngest incoming patients a copy of Curious George goes to the hospital, which tells the tale of a curious monkey who needs to have an operation because, you see, he decides out of curiosity one day to swallow a puzzle piece. The hope was that children like me would be soothed and better informed about what to expect about the truth of their impending experience through the eyes of that favorite and trusted character, George. I imagine I brought that book with me to the hospital, held it bedside through my recovery and trip back home because its truth gave me courage. Its truth gave me strength. A few years later, a second great book entered my life, this time a book we can all agree is one of the greatest, if not the greatest book in the West, if not all the world, certainly for its historic and world-changing influence, the Bible, our Bible. In May of 1968, on the occasion of my first communion, my Aunt Mary gave me this copy 
of the Golden Children's Bible. Have you ever seen them? It's a popular edition of the good book, Bible stories written to be read and understood by kids, accompanied by amazingly colorful and dramatic drawings, a perfect entree into the story of God for that curious little boy who wanted to and still wants to know truth, truth about God, about life, about right and wrong, good and evil, truth about hope and strength, truth about love and peace, about heaven and Jesus and how Christ's one life was and still is the model for us all. The Bible, this book's truth, it still gives me courage. Its truth still gives me strength. Its truth teaches me. Its truth gives me a place to stand in a world so often marked by shifting sands of morality and ethics and plain old human decency. Its truth, in a way, sets me free. And all from just one book. One book that I can freely read for myself in my own language, interpret freely between God and me, and between God and me and thee in community. But friends, it all begins with the book, freely translated, freely read, freely interpreted, truth. Now, next Sunday here at Pilgrim Church and in hundreds of thousands of churches around the globe, we, along with billions of Christians, will celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, symbolized in the singular act of a German monk named Martin Luther. On October 31st, 1517, Luther was so fed up with and angry with the corruption of the most powerful institution in the Western world at that time, the church, that he protested. He drew up a list of 95 grievances, theses. He mailed them to his archbishop, and then he marched up to the door of a church in Wittenberg and nailed a copy to that entryway for all the town to see. And it's hard to imagine now, but the world folks knew then it changed radically and it changed forever. The monolithic Western church split into Protestant and Roman Catholic, and then Protestants into hundreds of even more churches. Peasants rose up to overthrow masters in revolutions. Kings were toppled. And perhaps most important, knowledge, knowledge and truth Truth, which arises in large part from literacy and books and reading and study, access to all of these things was wrested from the hands of an elite few, clergy and princes, and put into the hands of the masses, of the people, of folks like you and me, for almost the first time in human history. Does everybody get that? Can I get an amen for that? Okay. Trying to teach about the Reformation, as soon as you say the word Reformation, people kind of go like this. So I want to kind of try to make it 
relevant for us to understand just what's at stake and what was at stake. And it's truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Because that world of five centuries ago, friends, it's hard to imagine what life was like then compared to now, especially when it comes to truth and knowledge and ideas and books and freedom. So imagine this. It's 1517, and we all live in a small rural village in what we'd now call Germany with our families. We own no books. The only library in town is in the castle and the local church and the monastery. And all of the books there are printed in Latin. Our world is defined by the boundaries of our little village. It's the same village that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents all grew up in. The farthest we have ever traveled from our home is a a once-a-year 20-mile trip to a large walled city for a two-day marketplace, where as farmers we sell excess food or as seamstresses we sell some of our beautiful garments that we dye and sew by hand. And in the center of our village is the biggest building of all for miles around, the church. It's two or three stories high, its tall spire reaching high up into the sky. And running that church is about the most powerful person in the village, the priest, the imposing man in the long black robe who every Sunday says the Mass, always in Latin. And because life then is so fragile, each of us can expect to live to only 37 or 38 years old, and 30% of the children that are born will die before the age of 10, we are very, very concerned about salvation. Salvation. What will happen to us and our loved ones and our souls in the next life? And we believe that the church holds complete power over that question. Does everybody understand that? And lately, the priest has been talking a lot about these things called indulgences. And that's this idea that if we pay enough money, the church will ensure that souls that are stuck in purgatory will make it into heaven. So in 1517, religious truth, it existed then. It's just that people like us, we didn't have access to it. We didn't have the power or the freedom that such truth granted. We didn't have the ability to think for ourselves, to determine our own fates. If you don't know the truth, then the truth can't set you free. And then came Luther. For along with challenging the power of the church, the lock lock that the church had on truth, Luther translated the Bible into German, into the language of the people. It was the first widely translated copy of the good book in that tongue. When it was published in 1534, it quickly became a bestseller, and suddenly the people, we, we, on our own, could read God's word and understand God's word and interpret God's word and study God's word for ourselves.
we could work out our own salvation with no need for a priest or even the church to mediate for us. This is one quote from the time. Luther's Bible was so much multiplied and spread by printers that even tailors and shoemakers, yea, even women and ignorant persons who had accepted this new Lutheran gospel and could read a little German, studied it with the greatest avidity as the fountain of all truth. Some committed it to memory and carried about in their bosom. In a few months, such people deemed themselves so learned that they were not ashamed to dispute about faith and the gospel, not only with Catholic laymen, but even with priests and monks and doctors of divinity. Imagine that. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I know that's hard to imagine, 500 years on from that revolutionary act. The smartphone we have in our pockets or purse this morning gives us direct and immediate access to more knowledge than Luther could ever have imagined. If anything these days, our struggle seems to be not about a lack of access to truth, but an increasing disagreement about just what is true and what is fake, what is real and what is false. But that's another sermon. Now, this day, what I ask us to consider is this miracle, that in 2017, we as free church Protestants, as Western human beings, as children of God, we are free, free to seek the truth, to find the truth, God's truth and human truth for ourselves, with each other, in freedom, from books from our book, and from the good book. We gather in church not to be given God's knowledge and truth, but to find God's knowledge and truth together in community and with our God. Then we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. So thank you, Luther. Let all God's people say, Amen.